Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Nate with Good Morning Liberty. I am currently traveling for Christmas, but we are bringing you all of our past Dumb Bleep of the Week winners so we can finally count down to Dumb Bleep of the Year. It is sure to be, well, dumb. So anyway, here are a few of the winners. We will be releasing episodes like this every day while we're gone, so you can catch up on all of them. That way you know when the voting happens what all of these winners had to go through to be named the dumbest bleep of the year. So enjoy. Here you go. Here's what the doctor said. The economics professor, doctor, communist, Literally, I mean, it says on this page, I'm not trying to put him down. He would feel good when I say that. People say I idolize Stalin. Not true. I hold a fair and balanced view. The man was neither a savior nor a saint, but he was at once a very successful revolutionary, a great contributor to Marxist theory, and said to be a great listener and collaborator during discussions. He was a great listener. He was mostly a mostly good person, it seems like. And from this unapologetic, unabashed communist right here, he was a great contributor to Marxist theory. And a lot of Marxists will tell you that Stalin was not a Marxist at all. Okay. And then there are, and then there are his successes as a leader. First, the foresight to fear a belligerent German fascism. So he feared German fascism. So he was a success as a leader. Doesn't matter if he killed more people than Hitler did, I guess. That's, but fascism, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the tactical ability to successfully defeat the world's greatest invading army, army, combined with the strength to make tough decisions that have no easy answers, like should you kill this child or not? (laughs) I, I added that part in. I simply think one should read everything the man wrote and then make up your own mind. I would certainly conclude that he is one of the great leaders of the 20th century. Okay. Let me first, by, let me first start saying that I, that I understand that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater scenario. You got to separate the wheat from the chaff. That thing. applies. That applies. When in Rome. Yeah. Yes. So I understand when you read somebody or you, you take into account the history of a person or things they wrote or whatever that you can agree with a lot of it and then be like, well, you know, I don't really agree with this, but he was right about this. And I understand all of that. But when all of your entire life is about basically killing your way to the top and then while you're at the top, killing some more Mm -hmm. and, and literally, and then killing the people who helped you get there also yeah, killing the people that helped you get there because you're afraid they were going to overtake you. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I just don't the way that he says this at the very end, I would certainly conclude that he is one of the great leaders of the 20th century, though. Yeah. Really? Great leader. A fan, like, one of the great leaders. Now, if you, if you quantify leaders by a couple categories, like the amount of people they killed, uh, or the amount of change they implemented... Maybe the amount of change they implemented. There's a leader right there. Like there were way more people alive beforehand. So he implemented a lot of change. Um, then maybe he was a great leader if, his, if the thing he was trying to lead was genocide and murder and death. Like if that's what he was trying to lead. He was, yeah, he was pretty good And at then that. the ultimate failure. In fact, 
we don't know, but I, we think he's in second place in the 20th century. I think he is in second place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, Unfortunately, Mao topped him out. You know, uh, that's you know, Stalin just didn't live long enough. It's just like Donald Rumsfeld yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the same. Yeah. Okay. I, I put a list in here. I did some research today on several. I just wanted to mention a few things about Stalin. Here's a few things that Stalin did. The gulags, which, by the way, were originally an order from Lenin, but Stalin continued. Stalin killed Lenin before. Stalin killed Lenin before they could uh, actually put people in them. I guess I don't know. Wait, Stalin and before killed you Lenin. get started, okay. this is exactly right. What from Amanda here? At least he wasn't a capitalist, and that is, and that's their idea. That's what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he's not a capitalist, because capitalism leads to death. It's what, <laughs> yeah, because capitalism is way worse. We can't prove it. Yeah. But it's way worse mm-hmm. than this. So, okay, go ahead. So the gulags, 12 million people passed through the gulags. Millions of them died, by the way. A couple million, probably. And they said the purpose, by the way, they, this is why so many people made it through the gulags and didn't die. The purpose of the gulags was not to kill people. It was designed to discipline people to, for social control. They put people in them, made them do forced labor, and tortured them. For, for a couple of years, and it's then also, they put them back out in society after that. It's also a way that they could um, still not keep up with the demands of society, because when you try to control everything centrally, you need millions of people in slave labor mm-hmm. to force them to do what you need them to do to keep the society running. And um, so the, the kulaks, we've talked about that before, the collectivization of the farms and the de-kulakization Okay, so Stalin seized the land and property of millions of peasant families and forced them off their property. Send a bunch of them the gulags, by the way. See, he had his, his steps correct. He had to build the gulags first yeah. to send people to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, good leader, you know. And I hear he's a great listener. <laughs> These people, the kulaks, were the richer of the peasant class and seen as a direct threat to Stalin's rule. So they were dispossessed. Many were murdered. And the others were exiled and forced to work in collective farms or in the gulags and mining or construction where millions more died. This then leading, aiding to the Great Famine, which uh, according to most of the numbers I pulled today, around 14 and a half million people died of starvation in the Great Famine between 1932 and 33. Unlike the other famines where drought was the main cause, it was actually Stalin's policies towards industrialization and the actual collectivization and controlling the means of production that actually led to this and the fact that they had killed all of the good farmers because those were the, were the rich peasants, of course. And so you kill all the people that were good at farming and then you end up with a famine. In addition, Stalin used the food shortages strategically, making sure that certain areas were affected more than others. So they controlled the food and then they picked places that they would starve or that they would feed. He welcomed many of the deaths, especially when it came to the enemies of the state. Kulaks and idlers. He quoted Lenin. By the way, any of you socialist Marxists out there who love Lenin and want to stop this evil forced labor of capitalism, these terrible things, um, Lenin, he quoted him in saying, he who does not work, neither shall he eat. So the rule was, if you did not work in the forced labor camps, then you were not going to eat. Okay. Even if you did work, you may not eat. And then if you did, (laughs) you might, you might not. Okay, and then giving the pass, here's just a little, just a little uh, extra right yeah. here. Well, the, I mean, as you're reading these, I'm just like, these are the qualities of a leader. Yeah, and keep in mind, he was a good listener. 
Right? Okay. Well, you can't excuse the fact that the guy was a good listener. You know how many screams he had to hear yeah. at all times? You know how many men aren't good listeners? Yeah. All of them. This is a quality that we are lacking these days. And this guy had it. Listening skills. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> An extra war crimes. So after hearing reports that Soviet soldiers raped women in Germany and elsewhere, he said, what is so awful in having fun with a woman after such horrors? That's fine. Yeah. What's so bad about that? We just went through a lot right here, thanks to me. <laughs> okay. Of course, that's what they wanted to do. It's actually the woman's fault for not knowing the terrible things that that guy had gone through. Exactly. And that he needed, he needed this. He needed to have a little bit of fun. It's like, I hear you. <laughs> I'm listening to your problems. And, and then he killed them afterwards. Yeah. That was but he, before he said, before he killed everyone, he said, I hear you, man. Yeah. Totally. I get it. I'm listening. Okay. The great leaders of the 20th century. There you have it, folks. I mean, <laughs> it's um, the makings of a leader. Yeah, that's, I mean. Which is why I think our country's struggling. We don't have a leader with this, with this much listening skill mm -hmm. and, and who is willing to do what's difficult and necessary for a thriving society. And what you said earlier, communists will excuse this because of the goal that they were pursuing which was to get rid of the capitalists, uh, which was to get rid of the ruling class. And so they'll excuse this, because if you want to make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs. You know what I mean, man? Okay? <laughs> and so they'll excuse this because the goal, it was a noble goal that they were pursuing. And so, of course, we saw Xi Jinping talking about how uh, they had finally, they had done all these great things in China, and they had a prosperous society. And people talking about, oh, see, look how good all this communism ended up going. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe they did also kill 60 million people towards this pursuit over the last hundred years that you're talking about. And so while you're talking about this prosperous society right now, if it is prosperous, if you're trusting all your numbers from China, um, they did also murder about 60 million people during that pursuit. And those need to be counted in the numbers of your society right there. Like, okay, well, we uh, saved the lives of this many people this year, and we only had to kill 60 million to get there, okay? That's the only way that we could do it. All right, so Keith Olbermann is making the argument here that um, why doesn't the Second Amendment have the word own in it? The Second Amendment does not authorize gun ownership because it doesn't say the word own. And so he has disproved, he has officially myth-busted the Second Amendment mm. that people are allowed to own weapons. He has officially came out and myth-busted that crazy idea that obviously no one in, that none of the Founding Fathers would have ever wanted your normal, average, everyday person to own weapons. You can, you can tell that by looking back through everything they ever said and did that they really only wanted the government to have weapons. That's, that's what they were going for. So here's, a, here's old Keith saying what he has to say with a half a million views on it. And let's go. Whether or not you meant to watch baseball's all-star game, and who am I to judge you, 
Remember that Saturday night, police uncovered a stash of 16 long guns, body armor, and a thousand rounds of ammunition in a Denver hotel room near where the game was to be played. And then the FBI said they had no reason to believe this was connected to the All-Star game, and a lot of people relaxed and took this as good news, as if it's somehow okay that four people had stashed long guns, ammo, and body armor for any purpose other than shooting up the All-Star game, like it was Las Vegas 2017, as if that's the way it's supposed to be, as if anybody should have a thousand rounds of ammo and body armor, and they could then ask their Denver hotel for a room with a balcony for whatever reason. So think about the All-Star game. Think about the Denver weapons stash a block away, which was either an interrupted All-Star game mass shooting or an interrupted non-All-Star game mass shooting. And consider again the holy Second Amendment to the Constitution and ask yourself this question. Why doesn't the Second Amendment have the word own in it? Why does it not say the right to own guns or in a synonym for own? Why does it just say a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed? Keep and bear, not own. Keep doesn't mean own. Bear doesn't mean own. Yet by the same kind of logic that made lots of us breathe sighs of relief because maybe nobody meant to shoot up the fans at the All-Star game, our nation has been covered neck high in this bullshit that the Second Amendment makes gun ownership not only legal but sacrosanct. 103 times the Constitution uses words like ownership, value, purchased, receipts, property, private property, but not once does it do so in the Second Amendment because the Second Amendment isn't about gun ownership, it's about regulation of state militias. Yet thousands of us die every year buried under this same bullshit. The same bullshit that says if the thousand rounds of ammo in the Denver hotel room wasn't there to kill baseball fans, that somehow that's good news. How many baseball fans died? <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, hang on. First, I got a couple things about this. I know you do, too. Every time he says bullshit, all I can hear in my head is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. 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 Yeah. Second thing I got to say about this. He might have a point. Oh, yeah? Because I don't know if you remember this, but Barack Hussein Obama used to say, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. <laughs> and clearly, we didn't get to keep it. So, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. And that... You weren't able to keep it, so maybe that's what he's referring to. I guess so. Uh, Joe, Joe just posted the definition or the the word "own" and literally listed under a synonym for the word "own" is the word "keep." Synonyms are probably racist, <laughs> so I'm yeah. not sure if we could use it's those. The construction of the uh, patriarchy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't say that people have the right to own something because you can't give people a right of ownership of something because then someone would, would be forced to provide it to you. If you do own something, amen. If you do own something, then you have the right of ownership of that, but you can't be granted a right of ownership of something because that means that the constitution would spell out that they had to supply it to you because you have a right to own a gun. And if you don't have a gun, then someone's violating your constitutional rights and therefore one must be provided to you because you have a right to own one. You cannot be given the right to own something that you did not first 
uh, transact with someone, create some kind of value, and then obtain ownership of it actually afterwards. If, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but our founders worded things very carefully. Mm-hmm. They were careful because if you do own a gun, then it's your right to keep it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, why they, that's why they said keep. Because <laughs> if you have one, no one can take it from you. That's what that means. Except um, for insurance. And in keep. I mean, I do think they would say the word keep as in possess or maybe own. You know, you're in safekeeping. You're keeping. You're, it's just, it's yours. I'm keeping this. <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. Okay. I'm keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm taking this. Um, and then also, uh, Amanda pointed out. Okay, so it doesn't say the word own, that, therefore you don't have the right to own it. It doesn't get anywhere close to saying you should have free health care. It doesn't get anywhere close to saying that you should be given money directly from other people via welfare or through child payments that just started going out or anything like that. It doesn't say that you have the right to any of those things. But if it doesn't specifically say the word own, then you don't have the right to it. But if we want to create these magical rights for all sorts of other things, then that's, then that's definitely constitutional. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So eh. Technically, you don't even have the right to free speech. <laughs> no. You, you, just, have the, you, have the, you have the right for governments not to make laws concerning free speech. Mm-hmm. That's what you have a right to, actually. We'll have to talk a lot next week about what Jen Psaki said yesterday when it comes to social media, when it comes to Facebook and other social media, because mm. they've crossed the line from where habitually habitual line stepping mm. to now fully admitting that they are marking things for Facebook to take down because they're misinformation. The government is. Yes. Wow. She, she yeah, she said it several times yesterday. Jesus. Yeah. And now that well, okay. is officially the government using a private entity to quell free speech. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's officially what would be happening at that time. And They're, this is about the best thing that ever happened for Trump's lawsuit against Facebook and Twitter and all them. Possibles. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One more thing about this, as I said at the very beginning, uh, how many mm-hmm. people died at the MLB All-Star game? It yeah, none of them. Doesn't seem like any of them. And so what law was actually broken? Yeah, and like, it's already illegal to shoot people. It, okay? Unless you're defending yourself. You just can't go to the mm. baseball game and on a whim, the Second Amendment doesn't give you a right to start slinging lead at a crowd of people. Okay? That's not what, the, that's not what keep and bear arms means. Yeah. You have a right to, to hold on to it and carry it with you to your hotel room and have thousands of rounds if, ne- if you feel like that's necessary to protect and defend yourself. But just because the Second Amendment gives you that right, it's still illegal, by the way, mm-hmm. to start. It, it's probably illegal to shoot paper wads into a crowd. Okay? Can't point a laser at people. Can't point you know? lasers at, at <laughs> airplanes or people. There's all kinds of laws that are already there. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. He was an idiot on ESPN as well. Was so. he? I didn't watch it enough. I just didn't feel like he used to be so insane. Yeah. The only thing he's got he going was. for him is he has a great voice. He does. And that's it. Yeah. So you can tell when he speaks, he's got a good commanding voice with a great tone. And that's what he was blessed with. Everything else that comes out of his mouth is 
bullshit. I'm going to run you through a conversation I had with someone about the eviction moratorium. This is a little bit older story. That's why this dumb bleep is encompassing more than just this week. Do you remember when we talked about how the Supreme Court looked at the eviction moratorium and um, Kavanaugh said that he thought that it was unconstitutional, but since it expired in a month that they weren't going to strike it down because it was going to expire. And then they extended it. And then they extended it again. Told you they were going to. Yeah, We clearly said that they were going to extend it again. And that is what they did. That is why what Kavanaugh said that it was unconstitutional, but since it was about to expire, they weren't going to. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So he, he must have got Super Bowl tickets or something. He, he got he gets to be in this dumb bleep. But then we've got some tweets here. So Caitlin Johnstone. Now we're talking about ev- evictions. We're going to talk about rent itself. Obviously, socialist people do not like the idea of rent or landlords or property ownership altogether. So that's why they don't like landlords at all. Uh, This person says, don't just ban evictions, cancel rent. Don't just cancel the rent, cancel the predatory scam of renting (laughs) itself. See, all you have to do is call something something. Yeah, you just say stuff. Don't just cancel renting, cancel capitalism. Don't just cancel capitalism, cancel the entire competition-based model of human behavior that's driving us to extinction. Just say words. That's really all you got to do. this person cares how many Twitter followers they have. It's probably, <laughs> probably about it. They got a lot of retweets on that. So that's, this starts here. And then I, I started talking to some people on here. Oh, great. This person named Jesus was a communist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus was obviously a communist. You know, what he did was anyone who didn't agree with him, he uh, buried them alive. That was actually one of the my most favorite stories from the Bible is when someone didn't adhere uh, to uh, any of Jesus's teachings. He actually uh, he actually had them buried alive, and that's actually in, in uh, Job. Probably that's yeah. uh, that's probably what book that's in. But anyway, I said so. Okay, if we do this, and then there aren't any houses available at all. It's crazy how y'all haven't changed plans in 150 years, no matter how terribly they failed. Jesus says. <laughs> Are you aware of the number of houses that are sitting vacant in this country versus the number of unhoused? Who hasn't learned their effing lesson? So the the argument they're making is that there are enough vacant houses in the U.S. to house all the people that need to be in a house. And actually, that is true. That's actually true uh, in New York. There's enough vacant apartment buildings to house all the homeless in New York. Probably the case out in California as well. But what if you wanted to actually fix the problem? Like, what's the problem when people aren't, uh, when they're not housed, when they're actually homeless? The problem is that they haven't been able to produce enough in society to exchange enough value with other people to, to pay them for their work that they put in building the house that they have. All right. That, that's the actual problem. So I said, in your world, people will just volunteer their time to build free houses for people. And the fact that those houses currently cost money is the only reason we have homeless people. And he continues on saying, in your world, it's perfectly fine to have houses sit empty while people suffer in the streets. So still making the point that we should just take all of the empty houses that are there, doesn't matter if they're owned by people or anything like that, and we should just put all the homeless people in those houses, and then the problem will be solved. And that is what they're, what they're talking mm-hmm. about. So, uh, so I said, I'd rather fix the problem 
The problem is not that they don't have houses. The problem is that they can't afford them. That's due to a combination of their inability to provide value in society and regulations constantly leading to higher home prices and a lot of inflation, stuff like that. And they make the point one more time. The problem is exactly that they don't have houses. Because houses just exist. Yeah, they just they just pop up. Yeah, people just build them. Mm hmm. They just exist. I remember back, you know, uh, I saw this on Discovery Channel, I think, 10,000 years ago that just, at, you know, at one point through evolution and sheer tyranny of will, yeah. the houses were just popping up. Well, they just, they had to go through and burn down a bunch, I heard, because they just keep popping up everywhere. They're actually overpopulating uh, yeah. the, and they're mm-hmm. decimating the grubworm population. They are. So. <laughs> Which is really hurting the warthogs. You know? they, they don't I, have enough grubs. He says, hey, here's the problem. Unhoused people don't have houses. The solution is to provide them with houses. You are an effing clown. as what Jesus was a communist <laughs> decided to go ahead and say to me. So I wanted He's to also t- at empty the pew pews. <laughs> I wanted to, um, to talk about the idea of uh, first off, I, I think landlords are a good thing. There's a lot of conversations we can have about that um, uh, as far as buying a house and then renting it out to people a lot of people will make the point that well you know by the way if i were going to rent a house it would cost more than what my mortgage is right now my mortgage is pretty cheap i got in at a pretty good time in nashville if i wanted to rent a house it would actually cost more and so what a lot of people will say is well this makes sense i can't i can't get a mortgage but i can rent this house and the part that they're leaving out of that is that when you get a mortgage you're telling them that you're going to be able to pay for this house for 30 years Okay. Mm. When you rent a house, you're not saying that I'm going to be able to pay you for this for 30 years. So there is a really big difference in, in getting the mortgage on it's a typically house. Typically a year. Yeah. And then actually signing a lease on some type of property. But the main idea here is that they think that, um, that magically the houses will just exist. They're not just going to exist. They have to be built, which means people have to invest their capital in it. And they would only invest that capital in it if they thought that they were going to reap some type of reward off of that. All right. Now, you could say that there are currently enough vacant houses to house everyone. And let's just say you did that. And you took all the homeless people and you put them in the vacant houses. You seized all the property from everyone and you put all the homeless people in the current houses. What about the next homeless people? That's the thing. They never they they think that there is just this group of 500,000 people that are homeless and then they just need to be housed, and then we'll not have any more homeless people. What happens when their water faucet breaks? That's you. What uh, happens when they need a new roof? You have to go fix it, or they're going to bury you alive. Yeah, I that's, mean, uh, so, that's what you have to do. And what happens ten? Like, just look what happens ten years from now. You know, like lots of homes are going to need repairs. You're going to have, I don't know. I remember one house we were living in the ceiling caved in because there ended up being a water leak. And the ceiling caved in and there was all kinds of uh, debris and uh, insulation, mm-hmm. soaking wet insulation everywhere. Thank yeah. God it was my brother's room. It wasn't mine <laughs> when we were growing up. That is good. So who fixes that? And then and then what? Like these people still don't have jobs or a way to provide for themselves. So, I mean, shelter is a good thing. I you know what uh, you know, what should be amazing is the fact that people have houses to live in at all. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Can, the fact that those houses even exist. The fact that we're that we're in a house right now. Mm-hmm. I was I was talking to a guy the other day. I was getting Stephanie's tire fixed, and I was at the old Tyler, the tire shop, and uh, this guy started talking to me about things, and 
And that's one thing I said to him. I was like, it's absolutely amazing that we're sitting here in a place that specializes in fixing tires that go on a freaking car that can take me places at high speeds. Like that I don't have to, to walk here. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable to me, the world that we live in. And people just think like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's houses and they're vacant. So we should just put people in them. Yeah. And then what? What about what's next? What about the next batch of homeless people? What about the fact that you've now told everyone that they can have a house uh, without paying for it? What would be the incentive to for anyone to pay for any of their houses? And then you still get into the problem of how do those houses end up existing in the first place? They have to be built by people. People have to invest their capital in that. And they think that they're going to make a reward off that or they wouldn't invest the capital. It'd be no reason to put money into building a house if you didn't think that at the end of the day you were going to end up with more money. That is why the houses get built in the first place. And when you don't, these people do not understand incentivizing production at all. They only want to incentivize consumption. But if you don't allow for an environment for people to produce things that everyone needs to consume, then you end up with a bunch of consumers that have nothing to consume because nothing has been produced. That is what's happened throughout history. And Jesus was a communist societies out there. Okay. Yeah. Back then when they didn't have houses. Yeah. What's going on right now with the, what's going on right now with the eviction moratorium lives in tents. It's totally insane. Uh, I I just said insane. I didn't see, I think the end of, I can't remember the end of September. Maybe I can't remember. They're just going to keep extending it because we're just going to keep having COVID. And now that since we have COVID, we can force people to provide housing for other people. Uh, then it's an issue. I was listening to an interview on someone's podcast. I think it was Megan Kelly's podcast and she had some landlords on there and they were saying that one thing they can do is sell the house. Uh, they can do that under the eviction moratorium, but the problem is who's going to buy the house because whoever is going to buy the house also wants to make some type of a reward off of buying that house. They want to reap some type of investment dollars off of that. Why are they going to buy the house? when they can't have people pay for it and they you you still have to get the p i think they they started the process of selling the house and it still took them 11 months to get the people to move out of the house afterwards like and they're you're not just what you're doing here is this is another good example of how these policies are helping really big companies because blackrock can assume can can afford to go through this situation right now they can afford to do it but all of your just say mom and pops or your individuals out there who have rental properties, they can't afford to continue going through this. Okay. They, they, they need this for income. The house right next to me is uh, about to go up for sale and I'm thinking about buying it, but I need to make money off of that house. That's the only reason I would buy it. All right. I, I just, I think rental, I think rental properties overall are a good thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a good thing for people who need something where they don't want to go three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in debt, and they just need to spend a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month, or two thousand dollars a month until they get on their feet or whatever. Um, I, you can also stay mobile. You don't end up pouring tons of money into the house because the rental, the, the property manager is going to take care of that. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons that you would have rentals instead of uh, doing that. But anyway, man. What else you got on that? I think that's, uh, it's just ridiculous. 
And I, we knew it was going to happen. Everybody was like, oh, the, the housing crash is coming at the end of June. That's when the eviction moratorium is coming up. It's like, oh, then they'll, they'll extend it. Yeah. Then they extended it to the end of July. Then in July came up, they extended it to whenever now. This is uh, about what's going on in New York. New Yorkers can get their first COVID shot and then go dine in right away. Okay, now I'm, uh, I'm glad that they have allowed... A, a few more rights there in New York, but this new right is that you only have to get one shot. Now, why do I care about that? The reason I care about that is that this is all supposed to be about the science and about keeping people safe. That is how you convince people that the government can take this much power because it is the government's job to protect people. And so they have to come out here and and mandate that some people can't go indoors in private establishments and that some people can. And that, of course, has always been the government's job. All right, so I'm going to read a little bit from this story right here. De Blasio offered New Yorkers a workaround for his own vaccination mandate on Tuesday, saying that despite COVID-19 shots needing weeks to take full effect after being administered, hungry but unvaccinated foodies and movie buffs can get their jab and then head straight to a restaurant or theater. Here's a quote from de Blasio. Let's say someone goes to a restaurant and they didn't know about the rule. They really want to go to the restaurant and they're ready to get vaccinated. De Blasio said during his daily press briefing, you really want to go to that restaurant or you really want to go to that concert, wherever it may be, you can literally go to the vaccination site, get your first shot, get your card, and then come back and go to that restaurant, go to the movie theater or go to that concert. Now, here is, here's the issue with this, all right? Like I started with, I thought this was supposed to be about the science. I thought that we were going to take the data, the numbers, you're safer if you're vaccinated, you're less safe if you're not vaccinated. Also, vaccinated people are still in danger if they're around people who aren't vaccinated. And, and, and that's what we're doing. And since the government's job is to protect people and keep you safe and stop people from ever dying, then we'll just all be okay with this. The issue is you don't have any protection after you go to the vaccination site and an hour later you're at a restaurant. Uh, the studies that have came out on this so far, uh, the most recent study was showing that after a month, you have about 61% protection from Pfizer and Moderna. After a month, you have that. Now, there are no studies showing what your protection is after an hour because the people doing the studies aren't complete idiots. That's, that's why there aren't, there aren't studies showing whether or not you have any protection an hour afterwards. So this, is, this makes it fairly evident that this has nothing to do about the actual protection from the vaccine. I'm sorry, it doesn't. This has to do with making sure that you get vaccinated, but of course you're supposed to be vaccinated. That way when you go out in public, you don't put any people in danger and you're not in danger. But of course we're creating this rule so you can still go out in public when you're still fitting in the category of the danger that they're trying to stop. Um, yeah, it, um, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I think that's fairly obvious. And this is why so many people have an issue with not only the mandates, they have them with the vaccines, they question science, they question politicians that are talking about trusting the science, because when it really comes down to it, you see that the politicians themselves don't actually care about the science. It's obvious. If they did care about the science and they were going to just do their dictatorial rule that they're doing right now, then they would say, if you get your first shot, you can go to a restaurant for a little bit a month later. That's, uh, that's what they would say. Or if they were actually going to care wholeheartedly about the science, all the data, then they would say, this, this takes this mandate 
does not allow you to come into the restaurant to go to the concert unless you have had your second shot and it is two weeks later. But we know that that's not what it's actually about. And so that is why people are constantly questioning the motivations behind all of this. That is why people don't like the mandates, because the people that are pushing the mandates don't actually care about the ideas that they're saying are backing up their mandates. So stop getting mad at people that are questioning the mandates. That's really all I have to say about that. That is dumb bleep number one, Mayor Bill, Billiam de Blasio. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel. That's the most important thing right now. Or go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Chip in as little as five bucks a month and hang out in the live chat with us. Leave us a rating on Spotify. And if you do all of those things, we will be back after the Christmas break. Till then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.